This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon and welcome to the Saturday edition of the best of Fight Back from the week that was. We hit an historic milestone in the pandemic this past Monday when the first COVID-19 vaccines were given in Canada, here in Toronto, as well as in Quebec City and Montreal. In fact, a long-term care personal support worker was the first to be injected with the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine at the University Health Network. While filling in for Libby, I was in conversation with our Zoomer squad when the first vaccine took place. Peter Mugrich, senior editor at Zoomer magazine, David Kravitz, vice president at Zoomer Media, and Bill Van Gorder, interim chief policy officer at CARP, a new vision of aging. We're very pleased to see that the uh, Ontario government is basically following the recommendations uh, coming out of uh, uh, NACI, the the National uh, Advisory Board that uh, uh, independently but scientifically lets us know how these things should happen. And of course, long-term care homes, the people who work in them, the people who live in in them are at the highest risk and should get them uh, first. We're also uh, pleased to see the uh, authority with which the military officials are are taking over the uh, process and actually sounding like they're organized and prepared unlike perhaps the uh, government people who were trying to get the flu vaccine out uh, a month ago. And I guess, um, David, that's appropriate, given what's happened in long-term care homes, that a PSW should be the first to get the shot in Ontario. Well, I think it's very important. I think it's important for two reasons. First of all, in recognition of the uh, contribution they've made and the risks they've run, and secondly, as a, just a pragmatic measure, you want to protect the people who we continue to rely on, uh, you know, as the uh, as this uh, crisis continues. So uh, I think that's good news on two on two fronts. And Peter, your thoughts as uh, the first vaccine is given in Ontario? Yeah, and 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 it has symbolical value too because. Um, you know the PSWs. Uh, they they are on the front line, but they're often forgotten. They're underpaid. They're overworked. Um, they they have very difficult job, and um, it's nice to see them being at the front of the line. And and I know I um, I did a story on this, and and almost everyone who responded to the story about uh, vaccine priority thought that uh, nursing home workers should be front of the line. So that it's good to see that. On everythingzoomer.com. Yes, good point. Now, we do know that the vaccine is being taken directly to residents of two long-term care homes in Quebec. So a little bit of a different process in Quebec, where they've received special freezers to house the Pfizer vaccine, which needs to be kept at ultra-low temperatures. So this process of taking the vaccine to nursing homes is the only one of its kind so far in Canada. Uh, Bill, that would, that's obviously not experimental, but uh, it is a logistical challenge that they've taken on uh, in Quebec. We're not doing that here yet. Well, uh, they, they have, and, and although we are making plans for Ontario for, for that to uh, 
happened. There was uh, uh, indication this morning that uh, uh, dry ice is going to be supplied in huge quantities so that uh, these vaccines can be moved from one place to another and kept under the conditions that they uh, need to be. So they they seem to have a handle on uh, how to how to do this, and uh, uh, we could expect, though, as always, that uh, uh, because the provinces uh, have the final say in healthcare, that uh, delivery of the vaccine will be different province to province. Uh, not what CARP would like to see. We would like to see the best uh, process used for every province across the uh, uh, country, but at least we know it's moving now in Ontario and Quebec. David, would you like to weigh in on on how they're starting out the inoculation process in Quebec? Well, I think that they're, they're trying to move it quickly to where it's most needed, so I think that that has to be applauded, but uh, I also think that the response everywhere else has seems to be, uh, uh, you know, urgent. It has their full attention. They're obviously trying to get the stuff out into the field as as quickly as they can and as best they can. And I think in the same spirit that CARP has been so critical of uh, performance of the Ministry of Long-Term Care in Ontario, we have to be fair on the other side of that equation and say the plans look good. Let's see how uh, how it unfolds. David Kravitz, Vice President at Zoomer Media, Bill Van Gorder, Interim Chief Policy Officer at CARP, A New Vision of Aging, and Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor at Zoomer Magazine, Fight Back's Monday Zoomer Squad. You're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. On Tuesday, we Canadians got some good news from the Prime Minister on the acquisition of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine. In addition to the Pfizer vaccine, which has been rolled out across the country this past week. How are the various political leaders and medical experts handling this new chapter in the pandemic? I asked this of our strategy panelists, John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto, and Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village. So far, things seem to be rolling out as uh, expected, and I think I dare say exceeding people's expectations uh, for the rollout uh, and that the government approval happened, the vaccine got transported, and it was uh, very quickly and rapidly deployed. So I think that that does give confidence uh, within the public that there will be a, a effective rollout that w- will um, have Canadians vaccinated uh, relatively quickly. Charles, what about you? Well, I think it's uh, the perfect perfect holiday gift for uh, a lot of very anxious Canadians who've uh, been through a very, very difficult year. Uh, a lot of the delivery of the vaccines, the securing of actual doses is going to be done on a piecemeal basis. And that's not only true of Canada, that's true of most nations, given the mix of vaccines that are out there and also how they're being distributed globally. Um, you know, there were obvious concerns that we wouldn't see any vaccines until every American had been vaccinated. I'm glad that that nonsense has been laid to rest. And it's uh, encouraging that the Prime Minister has just announced the secu- that another 168,000 doses of the new Moderna vaccine will be available. That's out of the contract that the federal government signed with Moderna for 40 million doses. So it feels like we're on track. John, what do you think about how the rollout is going so far? I think the, the, the challenge was that the government itself had some mixed messages 
uh, over the course of the last couple of months when, when, when pressed by the opposition to give a bit of a plan uh, as to what's happening with the vaccine, given the fact that, you know, we saw from the Americans uh, a fairly significant and fairly sophisticated plan and rollout well before we had any answers as to when and how it was going to be happening in, in Canada. So I do think that the opposition played a pretty significant role in pressing the government for some answers, given the fact that we had some ministers saying that it was going to be in the summer and some saying that in the fall and all Canadians were going to be happening you know, all Canadians were going to be getting some sort of a vaccine by, by the end of 2021. So there was some confusion. I think that all of that to say that, you know, all in all, I think the rollout has been successful. I think the provinces, we saw Premier Kenny and, and Premier Ford uh, literally at the, uh, at, the, at the respective airports waiting for the shipment to come in. Uh, I think it's, uh, it's all worked out well. And I, and I give the media some credit for, for also playing up the, you know, the first vaccinated people um, in the respective regions getting uh, getting the vaccine, I think, is all all good news for Canadians. You know, at some point, uh, the Premier becomes the focal point for um, all the good news, all the bad news, and, and everything in between. And, and there's also that the worry that um, by being overexposed, he becomes a less effective communicator, and that it was important to have other people delivering similar messages in order for them to begin to resonate again with the public. And given that we are in the, to a new phase of um, the, the pandemic and that now we're, we're actually dealing with the logistical challenges of, of rolling out this vaccine. And, uh, you know, I, I think it is appropriate that he do take it. He takes a step back and he lets uh, other people do some of the communicating for him that may, you know, because it, it may actually help the government get the word out. And uh, there are some challenges ahead, and everyone is really, you know, to your point, feeling pretty excited about the fact that there is a vaccine being delivered, that's being um, it, it, the people are receiving, which is great. But um, and everyone can agree that it should go to the first responders, healthcare workers, uh, those in seniors' home, long-term care facilities, and and I think there is general public buy-in that that's the right approach. I think what will become more complicated for the government is uh, who's next in line, and that. Um, you know, it's something that, again, doesn't have to be answered right now, but I think in the next couple of weeks, the government really needs to start um, being transparent and communicating with the rest of us. You know, how are we going to roll this vaccine out to once we've got the, the most vulnerable people vaccinated, uh, frontline workers vaccinated, who's next? Karen Stintz, CEO of Variety Village, John Capobianco, Senior Vice President and Senior Partner, Fleischman Hillard High Road, and Charles Bird, Managing Principal of Ernst Cliff Strategy Group in Toronto, Fight Back's Tuesday Strategy Panel. In answer to Karen's question about who's next, we did speak this week as well with the co-chair of Canada's COVID-19 Vaccine Task Force, who told us age will determine the next round of vaccines, those people over 80 living on their own. You're listening to the best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Coming up after the break, a record-breaking Christmas season for Canada Post. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. What a year for Canada Post. There is unprecedented demand for sending parcels during the pandemic ahead of Christmas. 
So if you have not received a parcel that you feel should have arrived by now, or your Christmas cards have not reached loved ones or friends yet, hang in there. We're told they will arrive. They just might be a bit late. Joining us to talk about the surge at Canada Post, spokesperson John Hamilton joined me on Tuesday. I've seen a lot in my 10 years at Canada Post, but this year has been one for the record books. It has been, uh, you know, come March, we scrambled to put uh, safety measures in place and follow the public health guidelines. And then everyone sat at home and shopped online. And we see over half of that uh, for Canadians on a regular year. So overwhelmed us to some degree. So we uh, put uh, measures in place and we were preparing for this Christmas season. And it's coming not just from online shopping, but uh, Canadians trying to maintain those connections through the mail this year, sending parcels and gifts and other things uh, that they normally would have thrown in the trunk and delivered when they yes. dropped off for a visit. So weekends are just usually to to catch up and, and to be in a position that we're so we're strong for the coming week. I just checked, uh, and yesterday we delivered 2.3 million parcels. Those are, are usually our busiest days, but that was our busiest holiday Monday yet. So we are working through processing and delivering as much as we can, as fast as we can. It's just coming in so much, so much faster uh, on the other end from some, so many people. I guess that is uh, something that ge- gives us some hope that people are actually shopping online and they're not going out to, to the big box stores. I mean, we know there are shoppers there, but that many of us are doing all of our holiday shopping online. So that, I mean, that's good. We're in our homes by ourselves on our computers. Uh, that bodes well for the pandemic. Absolutely. And I think uh, once we get through this, um, this we've now as Canadians developed a habit and uh, online shopping has probably leapfrogged about three years in terms of expectations. We saw it all year long uh, and you could see the confidence grow because, you know, come summer we were delivering patio sets, barbecues, and you got to be pretty confident in online shopping to order something like that. So uh, we've seen it all this year and, uh, you know, we've been happy to try and uh, continue to provide an essential service while keeping everybody safe. It's been uh, a challenging year, um, and we've tried to be upfront and honest about how we're doing, uh, just because no matter what resources we throw at it, no matter what we do, there are limits down which we can process and deliver, even at those record numbers. I'm curious about uh, the volume of Christmas cards. Uh, John, I mean, a lot of people in our age group and older um, you still send Christmas cards, maybe an abbreviated number of Christmas cards than once upon a time. But has there been um, a resurgence in its popularity sending Christmas cards? It really only anecdotally, because there's so much mail that goes through, it's hard to see unless they're a red or a yellow, a red or a green envelope. But what we've seen this year is record sales on stamps, especially the Christmas stamps. So um, you know, and after listening to some of the uh, card sellers and others, uh, this may just be the year that everyone actually puts those letters in the mail that they buy every year or they plan to buy. Um, I think those connections, those 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 personal connections, a letter in the hand or a parcel in the hand that you've you've hand packed yourself means more this year. How do you think all of this, this uh, surge in Canada Post packages, mail, Christmas cards, uh, what does this mean for the future of Canada Post? You know, I'm looking at it, I think, you know, obviously COVID is something nobody would have wished upon anybody, but it has meant the deliver it to home uh, movement is real in Canada. 
um, not just for Canada Post, but for other entrants. I think Canadians are more confident online shoppers. They're going to continue to do more online shopping. And a lot of small and medium-sized businesses are going to really grow there as they have this year. So we need to look at how do we ramp up and build more capacity? How do we ensure we're not scraping our heads on the ceiling when these rushes come again so that we can make sure we're there, not just for the Canadians looking to have things delivered to home, but the small and medium-sized businesses that as they build back after a challenging year, they know they can count on Canada Post to get their items delivered in a timely fashion. Canada Post spokesperson John Hamilton in conversation with me on Tuesday. This is the best to fight back on Zoomer Radio. I'm Jane Brown. Most Canadians like the idea of imposing lockdowns to reduce the spread of COVID-19. In fact, a recent Leger survey suggests 65% of Canadians support the idea of a general lockdown over the holidays to fight surging cases of the new coronavirus. The poll also suggests two-thirds of respondents plan to get a COVID-19 vaccine. 16% won't and 18% are not yet sure. Joining me on Tuesday to discuss the results, Andrew Enns, Vice President of Leger. It's a combination of the uh, of the situation around in, in, in many parts of the country, Ontario, uh, where I'm located in Manitoba, things are Things are not great. The infection rates are are uh, are high. Uh, they're setting some records. There's uh, some daily deaths. So, I think in that weighs on people, and, and we're trying to do some uh, you know some things to try to try to flatten the curve. I think as well, like the, the it's been an incessant message. I think for even before the lockdown, a pretty incessant message from all public health and government you know elected officials about. You know, trying to limit activity, uh, stay safe, stay at home, and I and I think that's also starting to just settle home in terms of, you know, this is what we this is going to be our lot for this Christmas. I, and yet here in Toronto, the lockdown this time looks very different from the lockdown back in March and April when there was nary a car on busy streets, everybody yeah. was at home. Uh, now I don't know whether it's because we've gotten used to the social distancing and the masking, but it's a lot busier out there, even though it's a quote unquote lockdown. Jane, you're 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 absolutely right, and. You know, we Leger has been tracking for like weekly since since mid March on this on this topic, and we found some data, some interesting data. We were asking in the in the summer where we were asking people about um, you know how diligent they were on practicing all kind of the, the top five public health measures. You know, cough, wash your disinfect your hands and wash your hands regularly. Keep your distance. Cough and you know sneeze into your elbow. And we were finding back in the uh, late summer, early fall, people were starting to relax. Mm. And I think, I think uh, what's happening is, unlike the the first wave, the second wave, which is by all by all counts been more significant, more serious than the first wave. Certainly, were you know in large parts of the country, people are just not responding the same way. I think there's a tiredness. I think for some, I uh, you know, I think there's an economic reality for some that they can't if they can if they can find some work, they're going to go to work, and that may not have been the case in in you know uh, you know March, April, early May, mm-hmm. and uh, and so you know because I, honestly, Jane, I see the exact same thing uh, you know in, in in Manitoba and Winnipeg and. 
and we've been in lockdown for for almost a month now and um, still very busy, especially around malls. Uh, your poll, Andrew, also suggests two-thirds of respondents plan to get a COVID-19 vaccine. Two-thirds of respondents planning to get it. That that number is a bit more encouraging than it's been in the past. We Yes, uh, yes Jay, we've seen that number slowly track upward. Uh, I think uh, Back in the in the in the early part of the fall, we were in around sixty percent. I think even under sixty percent, and it slowly made its way up. Now um, uh, it was up a point from a couple weeks ago, and and um, so I think that is good news. I I hope um, you know as the vaccines become a reality and, and people start to see them in the in you know in their daily news. I think for government, the, the only thing I'll say is that it it's it's the, the these numbers also though I think indicate especially the, the don't know population, uh, which you need to move, is that I think you, like this is still going to be an effort. Government's going to have to communicate, be clear, um, you know, pre- present, pre- be transparent about, about what's, uh, what's going on with these vaccines and how they've come about and how they've been tested. Because, uh, you know, there, there is some skepticism. We know that in the population. And there's also, a, there's always an undercurrent of, of you know misinformation on on uh, on things that I think it's really important the government not be complacent about you know now we have a vaccine everybody will just get it on their own. Leger Vice President Andrew Enns monitoring how Canadians are feeling about the pandemic and the COVID vaccine. I'm Jane Brown and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Still to come, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. We've gone through the audio. Here are some of the best calls of the past week. Marilyn in Bellwood phoned on day one of the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. I've been interested in getting it from when they first announced its development because I think it's important to get this virus stopped and let things go back to normal. Do you feel confident in the approval process by Health Canada? Yes, I used to work in the pharmaceutical industry, and I know what rigmarole they go through, so I am confident. Evie in Toronto called to say she plans to get the vaccine, but not when it's first available. I would probably wait. I I do want to get it, but the thing is, it's going to be so long before we can, you know, be without the mask, and to me that is one of the things I hate the most. So I'm going to wait and see how things happen. And uh, because I'm still going to have to wear the mask for who knows how long. And now, Fight Back's Knockout Call of the Week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Margaret in Mississauga, who lives in a long-term care home and told us about a regular cost she now has to incur because of the pandemic. Mr. Ford was given a great deal of money, I understand, from uh, the Liberal government to support 
the homes, the retirement homes, uh, and so far we haven't seen any of it. And I'll tell you my problem is I'm 94. My daughter is a designated uh, caregiver. Now I learn that every time she comes to see me, she must buy a, a special gown. I have to pay $15 every time she comes, and she must destroy it uh, as she goes out the door. And to me, I haven't got $15 to put down the sewer every time she comes. Right. What is Mr. Ford doing with that money? Is he saving it and saying, uh, when the election comes up, look at us, I've balanced the budget. And to my mind, it's on the back of the seniors. That does it for today's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and have your say anytime on our Fight Back voicemail at 416-367-9636, 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join me again at the same time tomorrow when we'll round up the rest of the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.